Hi, friend. Hi, friend. I'm Michael Cassidy. And I'm Laura Holloway. And this is the Actors Helpline. Welcome to the show. Get that hair figured out. Thank you. Oh, 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 oh. Yes, welcome to the show, everyone. Welcome to the show, everyone. Thanks for tuning in. We have a lot. We have a lot going on. We do have a lot going on. <laughs> we have a lot going on. What's going on with you, Laura? What have you been up to the last couple of weeks? Well, Michael, <laughs> I <laughs> I have had a double mastectomy with reconstruction. Mm. <laughs> and um it's I'm in the middle of the reconstruction part. So I had a double mastectomy approximately two weeks ago. Um, yep, 15, 15 days ago. And I've been home recovering and um, doing very well. And I've got these things called expanders in my chest. And I'll let people Google what that is. <laughs> um, but <laughs> essentially, every week I go in and they make my n- new boobs bigger. <laughs> and so it's a process and then I'll have a second surgery in a couple of months and then the reconstruction will be complete but that's what I'm that's what's going on with me what's going on with you (laughs) I was gonna say that's enough of that I've got a lot of stuff I need to talk about I get traffic's terrible it's raining in LA I've got a lot going on too no but I will say here's what I'll say about that um it was an elective surgery I have a family history of breast cancer. Um, my lifetime risk it was calculated to be quite high. It was uh, something I was exploring as an elective surgery, and then a test revealed that there was a mass, and they couldn't get to the mass to biopsy it because of its location. So it sped up my decision, <laughs> and we just went for it. And um, so it was an elective surgery on my part, but with some influence of this kind of mysterious mass, which has now come back as negative for any kind of malignancy. So I am in the clear. I now have a 0.5% chance of breast cancer over my lifetime, which is less than the average woman. And it went from about a really high percentage to that. So almost nothing. So I don't know for anybody out there who's thinking about doing something like that. I guess I'm here to say that I've lived to tell the tale and I feel really good about my decision. And I have an incredible partner um, who's been doing all the things because I can't really use my arms. So um, he has been incredible. So if you're considering doing something like this, make sure you have somebody like that in your life. doesn't have to be a partner, but uh, somebody that can help you through it because it is a lot. But I am so excited to be on the other side of the first surgery and I'm so excited to be recording this podcast today because it feels like the first thing that I'm doing that's normal Mm. Um, because I can now use my arms to the point where I can use my computer and like set up my, you know, microphone and all that stuff. So I'm getting a little bit better every day and uh, I am fine with anybody, anybody out there who has any, uh, if if a woman is considering something like this and you want to know anything at all, you can, you can DM me. I'm happy to share my experience with people. I was going to say, should we start a second podcast called the Mastectomy Helpline? No. <laughs> You're supposed to yes and me, Laura. I mean, oh, uh, <clears throat> excuse me. That was a really bad improv on my part. Ask me again. I was going to say, should we start a second podcast called the Mastectomy Helpline? 
Yes. And we should not host it. <laughs> Wait, I didn't do that Stop right Stop saying either. no. Stop saying no, dude. I can't. I can't. I'm not myself right all now. All right. All right. Listen, I need to change the subject subject from our bad bit to just say that you people you. should know that um, you may listen to us and think that we are two dummies who love to rap with each other once a week and talk about acting, but you may not know and you should know that my co-host Laura is an absolute fire breathing dragon of a human being. And she is super, super, super strong. And I am blown away by the way that you have metabolized this experience. Thank you, Michael. You're making me cry. <laughs> yeah, you're crying. Thank you, Michael. I learned it from watching you <laughs> when you had your mastectomy. <laughs> I actually don't talk about that. So let's get to our question. <laughs> Most people don't know about that. <laughs> sorry, sorry, sorry. Moving on. Thank you. Should we answer it? Hello? No, let's just leave it running with this awkward intro. Let's see how long. <laughs> Hi, Laura. Hi, Michael. This is Rachel calling in with a question. Um, Hi, Rachel. My question, I'm going to try and sum it up because it might be pretty complicated, but because you can go in like so many different directions. But my question this week is when you're in a class, let's say a scene study class, um, and you've done that for a while and you kind of want to switch it up or change it up, or you feel like I need to be doing something else. Do you then decide to take another class on top of that, say improv or slash a voice class? Or basically my question is, how do you decide what to balance with what you're putting in your actor toolbox? And a, a lot of times I know that can be a personal question or a personal discovery for each different person and what they're on. But how do you basically is how do you find the life balance that you need to find to grow and sustain growth without feeling overwhelmed and not completely fully present for all those things that you're trying to show up for? Um, gosh, I, I just made this like a total life question. I'm so sorry, <laughs> but um, you guys have it now. Go with it. It's your turn. <laughs> oh, thank you. Thank you, Rachel. Um, Good questions. Yeah, there's three of them in there. Yeah, I, th I was going to say, there's a few questions in there. That's great. We've never met a question that we couldn't make long. So Rachel's it's right true. on brand with us. She's obviously a listener of the show. Yeah, we would have made it about life, <laughs> even if she hadn't. Totally. So, totally. so thank you, Rachel. Uh, man, let's. why don't we take these one at a time? Okay. The first question I heard is, what do you do when you want to switch it up? If you're, she said, if you're already in a class, like let's say a scene study. So that's a great example because that's what most people are in on the regular. Mm -hmm. I have in my experience and you want to switch it up. Do you take another class on top of that? Do you stop that and take a different class? Right. I think that's what I heard. Mm -hmm. So I'll say logistically whether or not I would take another class in addition to the one I'm in or switch to another class, logistically, how much time and money do I have? <laughs> like that's, that's it. Because bef if I had, I was so, I wanted to soak it all up so much that if I had time, and this is true of me, when I had the time and the resources, 
I would take, I was in a scene study. This is post-conservatory. I was in a scene study and I was taking an improv class and I was working during the day and, you know, and, 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 um, but then it got to a point where I got a job where I could no longer do all of those things. So improv got put on the back burner so I could stay in my scene study class. Cause for me, the scene study thing was, that's my gym. That's where I work out. That's where I continue to go deeper. And for me, that feels like a great place. And I miss it when I, when I don't do it. I miss it right now, not being in one. So that would be my answer to the, what do you do if you want to switch it up? Switch it up. If you feel like you want to switch it up, switch it up. I will caution against one thing I will say is you, I think as an actor, you have to have a lot of self-awareness anyway, but as a teacher, I have seen many times that people will have either be on the verge of a breakthrough or have a breakthrough in class and then suddenly want to switch it up. Mm. It happens. It almost, I can almost guarantee it will happen a very high percentage of the time. And so when people come to me and they talk about whether or not they, if they ask my advice, my, my students personally come to me and ask me, should I, you know, Hey, I'm thinking about taking a few months off. I always ask first if it's about money because if I can, I'll help, right? Um, because if someone's on the verge of a breakthrough, I don't think it's a great time to take a break. If it's just because, oh, I don't know, I just feel like maybe I want a break. If you need to for your own mental health, you have to, right? You just have to have a, a level of self-awareness that your own kind of bullshit meter goes off when when you have those thoughts. And or a mentor or a person you trust in your life, like a fellow student or a teacher who you can go to and say, I'm thinking about taking a break, thoughts, <laughs> you know, because it doesn't matter if you take a break, you can come back in two months. But I've also seen a lot of times people are like on the verge of a breakthrough and then they're like, oh, I'm going to take a break. And then they say they'll be back in two months and then they don't. And maybe that's because they've decided they don't want to be an actor, but a lot of times they'll come back eventually and then share the experience that they wish they hadn't have taken a break because they were self-sabotaging. If that makes sense. Can I hear from you, the acting teacher part of you more about what you mean by breakthrough? Cause I think I know what you mean, but it could be a lot of things. What do you mean sort mm, of like briefly? Yeah. There are these, I like to think of it as like, I like to think of the growth process as let's take like a target, right? And I stand in the center of it. I'm standing on the bullseye. Mm. It's tiny. I, th I like to think of the growth process as I have a comfort zone. And so if I'm standing on that target, my comfort zone, usually when you start this work um, or anything that, anything that includes skill acquisition, I think that's really meaningful to a person. Mm. I feel really comfortable in this tiny space, right? And then there's going to come a moment where all of this work I've been doing on this skill acquisition, I'm going to break through into that next circle that's bigger. Mm-hmm. And now all that space in that next circle that I didn't have access to before is going to be very uncomfortable. Mm. I'm not comfortable there yet. If I live in it for a bit, suddenly I get comfortable in that space. That is the way that I see my growth. So, you know, for someone like me who's been studying this, who's been a student of acting and an actor for 20 years, I would like to think, and it's not like to think, I know that, you know, I'm my comfort zone, I have a pretty big circle around me where I can move out and be comfortable in all these spaces mm -hmm. as an actor. 
but that happened incrementally. Mm. So when I talk about a breakthrough, what I mean is either I am about to break through into that next circle Mm. or I just did. Mm. Typically what I see as a teacher is that right before someone breaks through into the circle, there is the most resistance. That's my experience too. Yeah. So if I'm experiencing a ton of resistance as an actor, I now know, I mean, honestly, this is true for me as a person in any area, but as an actor, if I'm experiencing so much resistance that it's like hard to feel comfortable in my body, I know now from my experience, that means I am about to have that breakthrough and move out into this next circle of comfort, this next uncomfortable zone at first. So I've seen that a lot where it's like so much resistance and the tendency is like, oh, I just got to get out of here. They just like, it's so uncomfortable that they're like, I just can't sit with this and I'm going to take a break. That's okay. Maybe you need to, you know? Mm. But I think having your eyes open to that is, is, I'm going to use the word healthier approach or maybe easier approach to like, know that's what I'm doing. Oh, this is, I'm experiencing so much resistance right now. And it's so uncomfortable that I might need to just take a step back from this Mm. and then come back in a month. Mm. Um, That's okay. Breaks are healthy. And knowing yourself well enough to know you need one is really healthy. And that is when the most resistance occurs. And if I stick with it, boom, this might be the class. Like, like don't quit five minutes before the miracle is Mm. a saying that I've heard. Right. But then the second thing that I see a lot, the other thing that I see a lot is that as soon as someone has a breakthrough, I'm, and I'm talking the class that it happens, mm. I can count down like, let's see if they make it four more weeks. Mm. Because a lot of times it's like, ooh, I just got, I, I did it. Okay, now I'm, I don't need to do anything else, you know? Mm-hmm. But that's because now I'm in this new zone that's totally uncomfortable and or I'm afraid I'm not going to be able to do it again or, you know, so there's just so much vulnerability attached to all this breakthrough stuff. But does that make, does that, is that clear? Super clear. And, and definitely my experience, although I will say having worked way more than I've studied acting in the last 20 years, it's so helpful for me to hear you say that because I will say that it does not come like that through the work, the work. Ooh, this may be a different episode, but I, 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 when I'm listening to you, I'm thinking much more about my time in class 20 years ago than I am thinking about the way that the work has expanded me. I think the work has challenged me in ways that are pertinent to this question in terms of like an understanding of what I bring to a project or the stuff that I go on and on about. Like you can't really gain the technical expansion that I go on and on about on our show in a class. It's hard to uh, replicate Mm -hmm. that. Um, Mm -hmm. But oftentimes we talked about this recent episode, like my relationship to like making money is not going to be challenged in class and it will be challenged Mm -hmm. by the possibility of making a bunch of money uh, in an acting job. Mm -hmm. And, and that's uh, Mm it. Um, an expansive experience that's similar, but totally different. But the idea that I pick a scene from streetcar for my scene study class, not knowing that it is going to be the thing that gets me in touch with my, uh, the expression of my masculinity while other people are watching me just to sort of like make it really on the nose. And that's a thing that Mm -hmm. I have seen over and over again in acting classes as a teacher and as a student and, and that is a unique thing because really what happens with work, and this is important for students to understand, 
you get the jobs that you can do in your sleep. You don't get the jobs mm-hmm. that expand you unless you're a movie star. And unless that's, a, star, that, that's yeah, a unique yeah. uh, challenge for a movie star. Um, but everyone else, literally short of being a movie star, only gets the jobs that they are they they're just sleepwalking right through. Um, you can, you know, you don't need to sleepwalk through them, but that, that's how you get hired. So the acting, the study of acting as a, as a, as a, um, facilitator of breakthrough, like you just described is a unique thing. Um, and that is, I'm mm-hmm. so glad you said that because I, I have a totally different answer. Um, <laughs> the, the first thing that, that I thought of, um, and I want to make sure you repeat the other questions you heard in there, but I do want to just say something that's mm-hmm. totally different about this sort of first question. I do believe that there are certain things in my training, and I think you and I share them, um, that you and I have experience with that people don't necessarily have access to, depending on where they are. Yeah. That So money aside, your your per, your your personal finances aside and the availability of these things in your city aside, just as a um, because you and I both trained in New York, trained in L.A., we had um, the utmost access to tr- actor training. Mm-hmm. And um, that's not true for everybody. And it doesn't need to be true for everybody. But just as I just want to be clear when she referred to the toolbox, the first things that I think of about the toolbox are I learned scripted work in a scene study like you're describing. I learned how to use my instrument in a conservatory that offered, uh, you know, voice training, speech training as different from voice training and then physical relationship to, I understand, I have a basic understanding of how my skeleton wants to behave in certain circumstances. And I, uh, think about those tools every single day. In addition to that, I had wonderful improvisation training at my two-year program that I furthered earlier in my career. And I, um, depend on that for my more so in my comedic work, but in all of my work, my relationship to the words, um, I also often sort of think of my improv training as like a touchstone for improv really works when you're in that attitude of like, I'm going to tear this scene to pieces. I'm totally lined up and you don't have like words or any, any sort of like, um, nobody else knows what's going to happen. So you don't have to worry about whether or not, you know, what's going to happen, which is basically the exact opposite of scripted work. But I depend on that sort of like feeling state as like a North in my compass with my scripted work as well. Can I get to the place Mm -hmm. where I don't know what's going to happen? And I'm really excited about it Mm -hmm. um, in my scripted work in the way that I am in an improv scene. So I just, um, I don't often say do this, but I believe that those things are things that are worth pursuing for anyone who's interested in acting. Which is, can I just clarify real quick, the the things I heard you say, and I agree, this is my list as well. I heard you say, aside from scene study, voice, speech, improv, right? Yeah. Did I miss anything? Yeah. And then some sort of like physical understanding. So for the first year of my two year acting school, I took, um, I had sort of intermittent movement classes that I can remember, but I took Feldenkrais the first year and you can Google this stuff, Mm -hmm. but that's just like a, I sort of think of it in my mind, it's a sort of skeletal understanding of the way that your body supports movement and standing and sitting. And then we studied Alexander Technique in the second year. And Alexander Mm -hmm. Technique is like a very well-established actor training tool that they 
swear by in uh, Juilliard and yada, yada, yada. You can Google all this stuff. Mm -hmm. But I think any sort of understanding, even if it's just like a mega yoga practice, I don't know. I don't know what's going to get you into mm -hmm, your body. Mm -hmm. But mm -hmm. for me, as like a as a highly intellectual understanding nerd. of mm -hmm. of ex nerd my understanding of experience in life is intellectual first and that keeps me above my mm -hmm. emotions it keeps me above my body etc cetera, etc cetera. and so mm -hmm. the opposite of that was foundational for me as an actor to locate feelings in my body to understand how my body is working to even have an awareness of like what my hands are doing while i'm talking all comes through a body focused uh, actor training or person training so that's yes. The, yes. So that's that times. Yes. You and I, I think people like you and I who have the depth and experience that we have and, and, and lived in the cities that we lived in can take that for granted. You know, I've met a lot of wonderful actors who do certain yeah. things uh, without awareness and they do those things without awareness yeah. because they didn't yeah. spend four hours a week, um, you know, watching people and themselves uh, see what their hands do when they're given a exercise to do. I want to say it explicitly. You don't need any training to work as an actor. <laughs> no, 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 no. That's that's part of why this business can be so confounding because mm -hmm. someone who has zero training can win an Oscar, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. But the majority of actors who work regularly do have training mm -hmm. in my experience. And these things that we're talking about are essential um, parts of those parts mm -hmm. of that training. So mm -hmm. you can do one and not the other. All of them are going to benefit you in some way. My my kind of must haves. You've got to have a vocal warm up as an actor. I think just even if you just YouTube a vocal yeah. warm up for actors, yeah. yeah, and practice it every day with the person until you know how to do it without the thing. Right, a vocal warm up, a speech warm up. You know, even if it's just tongue twisters that you do on your way to an audition, you don't have to spend a million dollars and go to New York and go to conservatory or whatever. If you can and you want to, that's great. Mm -hmm. But these things are essential for me and my instrument as an actor. And frankly, they just make you feel, for me, they make me feel like an actor when I'm doing them, which I think is half the battle for sometimes. Mm -hmm. Um just confidence and um you know that that imposter syndrome for me goes away the more that i have practices mm -hmm. um this is why i'm this is why i'm building this in nashville that is what we're doing we're building a part-time conservatory program we offer an improv program now and and it is because i believe so wholeheartedly that like if you're an actor and you're not doing these things you're probably being robbed of an experience mm. you know it doesn't mean you can't do a great job without it mm -hmm. but um but why not? Right. Mm -hmm. So they were just invaluable for me. So that's why that's exactly why I'm, I'm trying to offer all of those things here. Um, the second question I heard was, how do you decide what to balance? Like, yes. how do you decide which of those classes you should be taking? And uh, my answer to that is, if you have all of these things we've been talking about available to you, because you probably don't if you're not in L.A. or New York. But if you do then you should take what you're most attracted to first, in my opinion. Like do yeah. what's going to make you excited. Yeah. Or if you're in a scene study, that's one approach. If you're in a scene study currently and your teacher suggests something to you, <laughs> then that. Because if you trust your teacher, which I hope you do, if your teacher is in touch with their own instrument as an actor, which I hope they are, then believe them. If they say, 
Have you ever taken a speech class? What about movement? You know, I often suggest people go take yoga, like you mentioned, if I don't feel like they're in their body, because I don't know how much is offered here movement wise. So listen to professionals that you trust, listen to their advice outside of that. Listen to your own gut, Mm -hmm. I think, and do what sounds fun. Yeah. My, yeah. Especially the gut part. Like we talk about when I teach a lot, I try to, I try to tell people like your taste is all you have most of the time. And mm-hmm. I, I believe the same thing for the acting student too. Like, I don't mm-hmm. think you should do the thing that you, that we said on the podcast is super hard and uncomfortable because it could be uncomfortable because you're fucking right. And that teacher sucks. Yeah. 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 Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And if you're, if you're green and you're new to this stuff, you might not really know that your teacher sucks yet to yeah. be honest, but, yeah. but trust your gut. If yeah. there's something in your gut, that's like, mm, this doesn't feel right. Get the hell out of there. Yeah. Yeah. Um, your radar will tell you. Yeah. You're right. You're correct. Yeah. Um, I'll say sometimes I know with movement classes in particular, you know, you might, let's say you do live in a place where you have access to, and also I will say this with remote classes. Now you probably have access to a lot of this stuff, no matter where you live, because the yep. pandemic really changed that people are staying online. Yep. One of the, cl- the voice and speech classes that we offer is online with my former teacher in New York mm-hmm. who's a legend. Mm-hmm. But if you do have access to these things and you don't know what any of them are like Suzuki viewpoints, Alexander, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. All the things that we've mentioned and more, mm-hmm. They can be really confusing to read about until you're in them. I think experiencing them is really key. So if you don't know, don't avoid them. Try it out. You know, like just try something. You can always bail if it's not for you. Don't let the fear of the unknown keep you from taking something because the absolute worst thing that could happen is that you find yourself in a class going, what the hell is happening? Yeah. (laughs) Which I've been in those acting classes. Totally. And I've been like, okay, this one's not for me, but I went through it for six weeks and I can say that I know that it's not for me. Yeah. And also that mirrors the gig in a lot of ways. Like sometimes you get an audition, you read the script and you're like, oh my God, this is like taxi driver, but they're making it in my small town and it's, it's a $50,000 feature. And then you get on set and you're like, what is this? I'm in a music video. What are these people doing? (laughs) And that's like totally normal for an acting job. So you might as well just get started on those weird experiences right away. Yeah. 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 Roll around on the floor, making animal noises, no matter how you feel about it. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Um, Cause that's, that's called commercial work. (laughs) Okay. So the third question that I heard was how do you find the life balance to grow and be fully present while you're doing those sorts of things with your real life as well is what I heard in that question. Yeah. I heard that too. Yeah. And I, I, I have sort of, my answer to that is I know if I'm all the way in, I don't look back on a 19 year old version of me in conservatory and go, Oh, that guy was kicking ass in the way that I would now kick ass. If I went to that school, he wasn't, he was, but he was absolutely all the way in at at the time he was doing everything he could. He was totally obsessed with the process. He was in for it and he was terrified. And, and, and Mm -hmm. that is an acceptable level of investment and it's an inside job. My answer to this question is that it's an inside job. I also, I will say like, Let's say that the person, not not Rachel necessarily, but let, let's say a, a person who's listening to the show is wondering, how much time do I have? And they obviously know functionally that we can't answer that question. So what I'll do is I'll just say that the truth for me is that if I am total, like, for example, a movement class is a perfect example. If you literally have the time to drive to it, be in it, and then leave, you don't, there's never any homework. I shouldn't say never, but there's Mm -hmm. no homework. So if you can take your body there and be present for that 90 minutes, you have time. Yeah. If you can work out, you can do a movement class. (laughs) Yes. 
and the work happens inside of the class and it, it goes into your body, even if you're observing someone else's work. And so that is, that's sort of a functional answer to a very sort of esoteric question. If you can get a lot of this work and improv is basically the same thing. You might do other things outside of class, like form a team or put up a show, or you might get into screenwriting because you took a sketch class or who knows where it's going to go for you. But functionally half, let's say of the things we're suggesting just fit if you have the time in your calendar. And I don't think you're going to go wrong if you just show up and be present for those things. Now, aside mm-hmm. from that, I would say that the the idea that uh, I what I heard Rachel doing was trying to separate out: am I sabotaging myself by overcommitting versus mm-hmm. am I sort of overvaluing mm-hmm. my perceived mental health and undercutting my investment in my craft? And again, other things being equal in terms of money and availability of resources, I think you just have to feel that out. I I have always. This gig has always, always, I am very fortunate to say that it has been the main course in my life for since I was 19 years old, maybe since I was 17 or 16 years old. So I don't actually know what it's like to juggle anything besides a big ass family. But uh, this has been my nine to five for over 20 years. So I don't know a ton about like working nine to five and then going to class. But I will say that you do. You know what I mean? Like if you're doing that, then you do know what that's like for you. And you do know what you can do from seven to nine. And you, you do know how you're doing with your preparation for your scenes. You, you, you know, if you're putting the work up and the teacher's like, so what's going on here? Did you miss the mark? You, you, you know, and and people who have taken, who've learned from me, I often ask, how'd you work on this before I say anything? Because the most valuable thing that you can learn as an actor is how is my preparation supporting and not supporting me? And you can transpose that out to this question, which is how, how is my investment in these activities that I signed up for serving me? Because at the end of the day, it's for you. Show business isn't waiting for you to show up having trained and present them with the actor that you are. We're happy to have you when we have you. And when we don't have you, we're not thinking about you at all because there's somebody else. So it's a complete mm-hmm. inside job. Yeah. <laughs> the thing that I heard in this question that I keep hearing over and over in my mind since I heard it is fully present. The thing that I want to add is there is no such thing as fully present all the time. <laughs> That's mm-hmm. not a thing. No human is fully present all the time. So maybe let's think about letting go of holding ourselves to that standard I think is a huge, like I hear a lot of perfectionism in that question. And I had an acting teacher in LA who I've talked about before. His name's Berg, Gregory Berger Sobeck. He's still teaching there. He's fantastic. I learned so much of what I currently practice from him. And he was talking about in the work as a character, right? When you're actually in the work, He's like, there's no such thing as being fully present. We're playing humans. These are human beings. You're not going to be fully present ever Mm. in the scene. It's Mm. not a thing. When your mind wanders, yeah, that's what happens to us when we're talking. Mm. That's what happens to us all day long. It's just about bringing it back when you notice, right? So yeah, uh, let's let go of fully present would be my best advice there (laughs) because it's okay for you to be half present. It's okay for you to have other things going on. It It's really about what you are okay with, right? 
But if you're requiring yourself to be like, if I'm going to take this class, I need to be fully present every second of the class. And also when I'm outside of the class working on it, like good luck with that. Mm -hmm. It's not a thing. Mm -hmm. So maybe if that's your standard, lower it a bit and take it easy on yourself. Mm -hmm. But from there, it's all up to you. It's all up to you. So um, yeah, I think be gentle with yourself and do what you know you can do. And maybe, maybe I like to push myself a little bit further than what I can do. Yeah. <laughs> That's it. Yeah. I was going to say the only thing I haven't said yet that I need to say is like the 17 year old version of me who like, I, I was happy to read every acting book and audition for everything that I could get. And I, I, I just want to say that like that guy, if you're that guy, you need to get way more uncomfortable than you think you need to dude. Like Mm. now as a 40 year old dude sitting here with a decent career, but looking back on it is like, I accommodated so much. I, I, I pretzeled myself out of discomfort in my, and in my work, Mm. everything I could to avoid discomfort and, um, inconvenience. You're human. So that's exactly what our brain is wired to do. That's what training is about. I'm acquiring the skill of being comfortable in my discomfort. Yeah. That is the job. <laughs> yeah. So like get safe, get secure, and then get uncomfortable. Yeah. yeah. Oh, that's such a great line for like, how do you find a class too? This feels safe and secure and I'm uncomfortable. That's a great class. Great. Well, thank you so much. Yeah, Rachel. Thank you. If you'd like to ask us a question, you can go to theactorshelpline.com and click on the little microphone there. Leave us your question. Um, your pronouns are helpful and you too can be on the podcast. You can also find us on social media everywhere. Uh, we are the Actors Helpline everywhere. So we're really easy to find. Keep those questions coming. We really appreciate you guys. And 